don't know which camera to look at, but welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour. Here again with Sean Corbett, True West Realty Group. We're still on an anti-guest run. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm liking it. Uh, it's good. You and I have good conversations, so it, it I feel works like we out. Do. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it just flows a lot better. Because like most people we bring on haven't done a podcast before. I actually tried to get Fernando to come, who's one of my mentees, but he was like, I was on the phone with you, and he was like, <laughs> didn't want to do it. I don't understand why people get like so nervous about it. The problem with guests is you don't know how they're going to interact and be a part of it, right? You just don't know. Most of them haven't done anything like this. You know, even for you and I, we've done enough of them. We're pretty comfortable kind of talking and being pretty all, or you know organic mm-hmm. and kind of telling how we really feel about things. And that's that's not easy for everyone. Yeah. When the camera runs, things change for most people. They become someone different. Yeah. You know, I guess like that's, I guess, I don't know. We've done it so long. You kind of get used to it, but I was, I guess I was definitely like pretty camera shy, but anyways, today is a very special day. You got a text message from me this morning. Yeah, we have, we do. We have a celebration. This is a particularly special moment in time for uh, the whole month, whole month as a celebratory opportunity. Uh, You want to, you want to bring it out? Yeah. So 5am at the gym. First thing I see is the television screen forget what network was on, but Pride Month. They're running at 5 a.m. this morning on June 1st. So I had to immediately text Sean and say, happy Pride Month, a few rainbow flags. And you said we should celebrate. So I don't know what you're thinking. Like, you know, little give back to the community barbecue. Um, Uh, We'll we'll throw something pretty big, I'm sure. Yeah. Because it's really, it's a monumental occasion. It's also one year anniversary from the monkeypox outbreak. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if they correlate or not. Um, oh, they do. Did a whole video on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. There's a connection. So, There's a reason why it's Pride Month because monkeypox, right? Pride Month has trophies at this point, and their first first ring is the monkeypox one year. Anyways, we don't want to get taken down from YouTube, so we'll go ahead and transition <laughs> topics. But let me say one thing on it. I tried it on my calendar. You have it in your calendar? Well, I have a Google calendar. <laughs> Put it in. And they, and well, no, it, it automatically does. It puts all the monthly, you know, Black History Month, yeah. um, White History Month. Well, there isn't one. Oh, yeah. Um, single it, White Male Month? Yeah, Single White white Male Month. Um, definitely want to celebrate them. Yeah. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't give the ability to remove them. <laughs> Not that I would remove yeah. LGBT time. But it doesn't give you the ability to remove it. So they can remove all they want, but we can't remove it from our calendar. No, I tried. I went in there because you can delete any type of ongoing event, but it's built into the Google calendar. And I'm like, okay. We switching, well, maybe we switch calendars. I don't know. We, well, can go, we can go truth social and make our own calendar. Well, you can switch gender and partners no matter the gender. So I yeah. guess they should go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a, I don't know. I feel like the real estate market's picking up quite a bit recently. I don't know if you feel the same thing, but yeah, there's definitely a lot more activity. Um, I, I know my I have a house that I've listed in Grapevine, um, and I got pretty good traffic on it. But we also want to look at it rent value, so we put it on rent, and I had probably about 15 hits in like the first day, which I don't normally get that much attention. But it's I mean it's from, Grapevine, and it's from a really, buyers, yeah, and it's a good quality um, it's a good quality house, and it's a pretty good price. So I'm sure there's other factors, but it it's getting a ton of action. So, I think I'll have it done this week. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I so I did in and I talked about all this on the on the podcast. It so 
in what was it November I started doing because like rates went up like crazy and I mean they started going up last July probably somewhere in there and then but it like rapidly started going up by August September um so I was like you know just it's pretty simple if you think about it like rates go up like that going into the holiday season it's already going to be traditionally a little bit slower yeah add high interest rates to that then it's you could it doesn't take a rocket scientist to assume that it's going to be a slow winter for a lot of realtors so i was like you know what the one thing i saw that was going to keep moving is rentals you know there's not going to there's no pushback from rates on rental property so i get the list of for rent by owner leads and i'm just you know started cold calling them so from november to january february probably i guess it was february i probably did anywhere right anywhere from seven to ten rentals i would say like roughly yeah and which was really good because if you look year over year, like last year was my best year being in real estate. And I was four years in at that point, five years in now. So I was like, you know, how am I going to, I wanted, you know, outpace where I was last year. So when I looked at this year, it's like, okay, by February, I had one closing and seven to 10 rentals. So like closings weren't there, but income was better. So I was like, that's real. I was like, that's really cool. Cause I just kind of like, it was a good guess and then yeah. just executed it pretty well. No, you shifted. And you shifted on a cold market and the opportunity created itself. And, you know, and we've talked about this before, just uh, focusing on for rent by owner doesn't necessarily mean we're just looking for rental lease opportunities. You're looking for investors and multiple opportunities. Yeah. You're talking to people, you're talking to people with money, with multiple properties that probably have friends doing the same. And that stands true because at this point, March, I will say was one of the slowest months I've had in a pretty long time. And a lot of that comes to probably me not working as hard as I could have, just truthfully. I mean, I was doing a lot with the podcast and that took away like a lot of time from real estate. And then, but it's just what I felt like doing. So then April, I was like, man, I really got to, you know, start finding deals again because it just dried up. So since then, um, I've got, I had seven under contract yesterday and then one fell out yesterday. Mm. We can get into that here in a little bit if you want to. And it's just cool because it's like now it feels like, Buyers are coming back around. I guess it's summertime. People got their tax returns. School's out, and you just see people out moving. So it's really, really cool to see. And one of the two of those deals we were going to talk about are I'm actually working with Fernando. So the contracts are actually in his name on two of those. And so he basically he found these people on Facebook, and then I mean, just truthfully, and this isn't. I mean, I'm figuring out how to work this kind of type of transaction, like. A, I, I know what to do when it's put in front of me, but this is new to me. So for him being only a year in or wherever he is, like it's so far over his head that, you know, it's, you know, like I'm giving him tasks to do, but the negotiations, that kind of stuff, he did get them down pretty good on price on the buyer side of it. Long story short, he finds these people on Facebook that are looking to sell their home. So he asked me, you know, can you go on this listing appointment with me? And it's like, sure, let's do it. So we go out there. And we get into the house, like we walk in and you immediately smell dogs, right? Like just, it just smells like a dog. I'm like, well, we can, we can work past this, right? As a lesson for all of you selling houses, smell kills. It does. Absolutely will kill you. Mess kills. Even Trump was saying this art of the, art of the deal. He's just talking about how curb appeal, just like the, it's, it's just so worth it to clean the property and just make it look you know, clean and moving. I mean, how much would you put a dollar figure on that it makes a difference? 15,000? 
Oh, they, they easily lost 10 to 15 if it's a hardcore, deep dog smell that's in. Because the only thing people think of is, well, I've got to take out all the carpet. I have to mm-hmm. clean all the ducts. I have to repaint the house. Because it, it, it gets attached to your walls. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if you really want to go deep, you kills the concrete. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a substantial uh, investment to do it. So people immediately think 15 plus thousand work-wise. Yeah. And you don't even know if you're going to be successful or not. Well, and especially like when you walk in, you see a mess, you smell something funny. The first thing you're thinking about isn't the positive aspects of the property. You're thinking about, like you said, what needs to be done. And that's, that's right. And a lot of people even if it would be the perfect location, the perfect size home, great schools, a lot of people can't see past the work that needs to be done. Like they can't, a lot of people really have trouble seeing the potential in something because they're already on edge. Like they're already worried about rates. They're already maybe like going back and forth with a lender. There's already other problems on their mind. The last thing in my opinion they want to do is add more problems. Like they just, they want to buy something that makes them feel happy. That's the value of staging. That's why I've done videos on it um, to talk about where it creates a certain feel in the home that offsets any of the negatives, a Mm -hmm. lot of the negatives. You know, even putting things on the wall or the floors, it distracts from the imperfections and allows them to focus on it being a move-in, clean, ready home. Right. And it's a real easy adjustment you can make and the value you get on staging typically will sell faster and for more, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the opposite, you know, it may only take 15 grand to, to remove that smell maybe, but you're going to start 20 to 30,000 less before that's where the offers are going to start coming in. Yeah. Cause the other, because what happens is, is a lot of times too, and I'll get into this scenario here in a second, but a lot of times what'll happen is agents will go ahead and list the property considering this stuff. The buyer doesn't know that. So they think, okay, even though it's yeah. priced at, you know, yeah. it should be 275, they're listing it at 250. But since it's 250 and it smells like garbage, I'm going to go ahead and offer 235 because yeah. it needs stuff done. Yeah. And it's really difficult to explain that to buyers. I'm having a scenario like that. That's one of the ones that fell out yesterday, overestimating the, the work that needs to be done. But long story short, I, you know, walk in and I immediately knew that was something that I needed to address with her was like, if we're going to list this, we're going to need to get it clean. Well, we're it's also to- a seller problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So when they list it, they also don't account. They don't include that as a primary consideration when making offer. So if the house is really a 275, they list for 250, then you need to say in your property description, $25,000 adjustment made for X, Y, Z. And that's, they need to know that going into it because what happens, they think 250 is market. Now I get to come back and take another 25 off. That's not what the offer is. Yeah. People don't like to be blindsided by that. So I'm sitting down with her and again, the, there, there's just stuff that needed to be like the house just needed to be cleaned. I mean, it, I've seen, I've seen much worse, but just knowing like, I don't want to, I don't want to take something on and spend money on listing photos, marketing time. And if they're not willing to do certain things, like I don't want it to be a reflection of my job. So anyways, we're talking it out, like figuring out what she's looking to do. And essentially there's a, she had it, the, I ran the comps on it and it was valued around, I'd say like 350 ARV, like completely, completely like moving ready. Nothing needs to be done to it. Okay. So I'm telling her like, okay, we can list it. This is what you could get. 
this is this is what would need to be done to get that price. Obviously, if we're going as is, then we're probably going to have to go a little bit lower. So she she goes into detail and she's like, look, I'm not super concerned about getting you know top dollar. Like I really what we need because why it smelled like a dog is she's actually breeding dogs in the house. It's a single family, three bed, two bath. So she she sells French bulldogs, right? Okay. So um, so they buy the house, they get a free French bulldog. Keep going. She actually threw that in. She's, or, she actually did there that are people in. that would absolutely jump on a deal like this shockingly <laughs> i believe it yeah, i mean she cheap. sells them for big money too yeah. like 10 grand like oh, yeah. yeah even more um but you know she was like and one of the french bulldogs is actually pregnant so popping out nine more of them and we're going into like potentially listing this property so uh, i've got a buddy uh, reed copeland he works over at OfferPad. So usually like if there's a scenario where it's like, I don't know how well this is going to list, they traditionally have gotten me the best offers as close to retail as I can get. Um, but again, they're selling a retail net. Yeah. Basically the net to the seller would be beneficial either way. Right. There's going to be a margin of error. They may absorb 5,000 or so, but there's no hassle, mm -hmm. but keep going. So this is where it gets really, this, I'm just like really proud of how we put this together because so she has, again, we're talking like fully done 350-ish, give or take. And she has a $87,000 payoff on her mortgage. Oh. And the home she was wanting to purchase was $250,000. Yeah. First one doesn't work out. We're going through these properties, letting them know like, look, this is going to be contingent on the sale of another property. Would you take this offer if it's cash at two hundred? dollars we find one that's listed at 230,000 Sulphur Springs. Have Fernando write the first offer at 200. They come back at 210. And he's like, what do I do? I was like, I mean, we can't come up. So just tell her like, this is, you know, we're not negotiating. It's just like, this is the offer. Comes back at 205. And then we're like, okay, we're like right there. There's gotta be a way to make this work. So I call Reed up and I'm like, hey man. Well, and initially too, Read from OfferPad had offered 290, which was like a little too low to make it work. I get them to come up, three, squeeze them a little bit yeah, more there, get them up to 300. Yeah. So we get the seller side up 10,000 and, and we're now down on the buyer side, 25,000. So 35,000 total in negotiations that we've got for. Her. Yeah. And then, um, Fernando, I'm, I'm trying to get Fernando for those of you who don't know, he's one of my mentees at EXP. So I'm trying to get him like comfortable with negotiating because he's such a nice guy that he just has trouble like pushing back on people. And so I'm like, you know, just don't like let him know what it is. Like don't, you know, you don't have to be rude to him, but just like be a little more like stern in your voice. You ever watch Pawn Stars? See the way oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do a little bit, just hit him back with a number. Yeah. So um, finally, like we were, we were this close and I was like, I, I'd rather him just kind of shadow me at this point and just get it done because we needed it done by 1 p.m. or offer pads ex offer was going to expire and they were going to come down on the price. And mind you, this we're at 10, like 10 a.m. So I called the listing agent and I was like, look, this is where we're at. Like we would love to come up, but we can't because what she's selling the home for and what she's paying your loan off for, this is like we're as tight as we can get and just truthfully to you, we don't want to put y'all in a position to where the deal blows up and we waste everyone's time and we don't make it to closing table. We know at you know, 200,000, we can get to the closing table and there's some room, but you know, again, we have the inspection that's going to be done. We don't know if they're going to, you know, how they're going to respond, like if they're going to come down a little bit. So we just wanted to create a little bit of room in case that happens. 
So I let her know that. And she was like, well, I'll talk to them. But the problem we're having is that there's no, you know, there's no, there's nothing that the buyers lose if it falls apart. That's right. So um, I was like, well, we didn't put an option period in. She's like, yeah, but it's still contingent. So I'm just like trying to work her, you know? And she's like, just put, if you could come up, if you could put a 500 or not, not 500, if you could put a $500 uh, contingency on, on the addendum, because yeah. we had nothing on there. Yeah. She's like, then I could, I'll talk to him. I was like, okay, cool. So we get her to okay with that. And then they accept it. So we get her in at 200,000. So $30,000 down from their original list price and then offer pad up 10,000. So we're at 40,000 that awesome. And so essentially you're at, like, you're asking earlier the, the lender, like there's, there's, I don't want to share too much of the details of her scenario, but like she just doesn't have the cash on hand to until the sale of the home yeah. to put up. So, I mean, there's no lender involved, no lender. So let me, let me throw a, an easier solution. If they would not have moved, I'm gonna give you even a, a, another option. Okay. Cause I, I see these things all the time Okay. because they're paying cash. There's no other lender involved. I can take money from anywhere, even the seller. So the seller could still sell up to me for 205 and finance $5,000. I can do an owner finance the, the seller for the difference. If you were stuck and there was like they had to get that net for whatever X reason, they could owner finance. They could have owner financed the five thousand dollars, and she'd have paid two hundred bucks a month. I thought about I thought about that, but I on it. But you made it happen, so you it came out better for the buyer. Yeah, and I just didn't know where. Like I've never done any owner finance, so I didn't know really where. To super do. easy. Yeah, I mean I could solve that problem quick, but y- y'all solved it without having to go that way. Yeah, you know, and that, again, that's, she she signed it like this. All got signed my like before this, one o'clock. 1240. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. Good job. Yeah. So he's pumped up. I'm pumped up. And now we just got to make it to closing. So, um, so you mentioned also one fell out. Mm-hmm. Is that a different, different. Okay. So, so what's, what's the one that fell out? Well, there's, I guess there's a couple. Um, the one that was under contract though, that I talked about, we were, so, I mean, I helped this guy, like we closed him on a duplex uh, in this not like about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And then he was on FHA. So he had to give it some time before he would qualify. He thought for another FHA, but then he ended up going conventional. So, you know, you should be able to qualify for multiple. You just can't. Well, not FHA. You can't do it as a primary. Well, FHA has to be primary. Oh, there isn't an investor option. That's there is, about. but you have to own or occupy for a set period of time. Okay. Like, so you can do it for say like, like a dupe, uh, you can do it for I think VA uh, has the same requirement. Yes. Uh, VA, I think is a little bit shorter of a time frame yeah. than I think uh, FHA wants it anywhere from like six months to a year. Um, but like you can say like, if you go FHA, you can occupy, if you get a residential income, you could occupy one unit and then rent the other units out once yours is up. Like that's what he was doing on the duplex. So, you know, and I like this client a lot. I'm not, I don't say any of this to like talk bad about anybody. You know what I mean? It's just explore. Like, I think this would save people a lot of troubles if they're watching this, like searching for a home, right? Like first off, like, yes, there's a lot of realtors that have no idea what they're talking about. And some aren't worthy of listening to. If you just find the first person that picks up the phone, don't ask them any, you know what I mean? Like there's some people that you, they're just going to say whatever they got to say to get the deal done. And I get that it's probably hard to find someone to trust. However, like, I've closed deals with this guy before on the last property we looked at, they originally listed at 499,000 dropped it to 425. This was in 2021. Yeah. 2021. I guess it closed early 2022. 
but under contract 2021. And then appraisal, so four four ninety nine to four twenty five. Appraisal comes back at three fifty. Yeah, get them at three fifty, which is insane, especially in that market. Like, so I don't know if that was the expectation going into these things. But we're out looking at, you know, we're out looking at a lot of properties. That's a tough deal to repeat. It, I wouldn't put money that it ever happens again. <laughs> like, so, but we're out looking at properties and stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking that he's looking for, because he's looking at like, the, you know, 250 and Mesquite. So I'm like, okay, like he's got to be cool with putting a little bit of work in. I mean, that's just what's out there. And we've, you know, we looked at probably 20 houses in a week. And so he knows like everything we're looking at, there's going to be some maybe minor foundation, maybe some roof. AC is probably going to be old. Or if those things check out, cosmetics need something. I mean, it's that's the trade-off for, for going to the lower budget. Thing is, is, is it's not like that's what he was capped at. He could afford more. So, But I don't have a problem with it. Like, I think that that's a good price range to look if you have a little bit, like if you want to put a little bit of work into it, you could add more value to it over time, rent it out. Like I'm not against that. It's so weird. I look at houses a lot different. They think that most people, like 250 and Mesquite, yes, you're going to need some work, but any house can work. Just pick the one you like and the location you like. Right. And then you work the numbers backwards to make it make sense. Right. Right. There's a after repair value, value of the property once repairs are done. Mm -hmm. So work it backwards. If it needs a roof, then put a roof on. If it needs foundation, then adjust for it. Right. You know, all of it can be negotiated and adjusted for in order for it to settle out and be clean. You know, and retail buyers, man, they they don't I don't know what it is. They don't understand that part of it. You know, they're focused on the house and the repairs. Well, then make it work, you know, yeah. but don't pick something that needs substantial work at your max budget. It's never going to work. Yeah. So we're like we're looking at all these properties. Right. And we get to this one. And we walk in, I was like, this ain't it, man. This is not the one. I mean, there's cracks in every corner. There's a hole in the ceiling. Like, it's it, cool. Like, yeah, the layout was good, but everything else just like it screamed a money pit. Make like, it work, yeah. Yeah, like the, the biggest things. I mean, the ACs were, I, I didn't even know they were still running. They were so old. And then, I mean, I'm telling you, there's cracks in every spot of the house. And I'm telling them the whole time, this has foundation problems, man. Like, you know, like I, I was, I've never been so vocal. Like I'm a sales guy. I want to sell a property just as bad as you probably want to buy one. Like I've never like felt like, I mean, yeah, I've guided people in the right direction, but like, that's the hardest I've ever like tried to get someone not to make an offer on something. Yeah. To take, talk him out of it. Like, dude, you know, and he was just set on doing it. And he's like, and he goes, well, we'll just, you know, we'll get the inspection done and see if it has foundation. I tell him, we don't have to do that. Like it has foundation no. problems. There's no sense of spending money on an inspection. He's like, he's so adamant about doing it. So I put it in. We go under contract at 11 PM. I, I text him, congrats. You know, we're under contract. Didn't hear back from him. Then by 11 AM, I call him I'm like, Hey man, did you like get my text? You know, like we're, we're under contract. He's like, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. My wife was looking at it and she's concerned that it has foundation problems. And now I am too. And I think we want to back out. And I'm like, you know that that's what I was telling you the whole time, right? Like, I, he goes, yeah, but my wife told me. And, and I was like, okay, I'll let him know. He's like, and then he goes, like, I'm trying to talk to him about this. Like, I'm trying to educate him a little bit. And this is the first one, right? There's another one. So I'm trying to like educate him. Like, look, this isn't how we make offers. Like, I don't mind, you know, looking at 20. Truthfully, I do kind of mind looking at 20 properties in a week. I think that's a bit excessive because not that I don't, 
I, I'm not trying to like avoid work, but 75, when you're looking at that many, 75% of the ones you look at are avoidable. Or you, you, do, you can eliminate them before even going. Yeah. To if them. you do five minutes of research, yeah. it ain't going to work. So we're looking at all this stuff. And then, uh, but anyways, he, like, he's like, what are my options? And I'm like, I'm going to tell you your, op-. he's like, you have to tell me my options. I'm like, you haven't even given me a chance. Like, I'm trying to tell you like how this is done because I think you have a fundamental misunderstanding of how this like works, you know? But anyways, your options are, you have an option period so you can pay the 250 and back out. So we back out. It got a lot more messy than that, but just for, and it, not from my end, but just from indecisiveness, delays from certain parties, like it just, it worked out. But we, I, I tell them like, we're not doing it this way again, you know, like, because part of it was his wife wasn't with him to look at the property. I didn't know that was a requirement because like she wasn't necessarily with him the last time we got something. I mean, she'd check in here and there, but it, you know, I didn't know that it was that serious for her to be there in this specific scenario. I know most scenarios it is, but they're kind of case by case sometimes. So anyways, he's like, no, no, we won't, we won't do it again. Like, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that, you know, we do it right. And then um, within 30 minutes, he's like, because I'd already written up another offer in case that one didn't get accepted. Yeah. He's like, and I actually had submitted it and I didn't hear back from the realtor. And I'd emailed her after we got accepted on the first one and said, hey, forget about this. We already got accepted. Thanks for your time or whatever. So 30 minutes later, I emailed her like, hey, never mind, because he told me he gave me the green light on the second property. So I emailed her back like, hey, just kidding. We're still on the market if it works out. And we go back and forth for the rest of the day, get them under contract. So like I got them under contract twice within 24 hours. And I'm thinking we're good. Like we had the conversation about like, we're not going to be indecisive about making offers on stuff. So within a day, he sends me another property. Like, yeah, while you're under contract, while we're under contract. And I just like ignored it because I'm like, what? why are you shopping still? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something's got to be up. So I'm going to, you know, just like, we haven't even got the earnest option money delivered. We haven't done anything to move forward on the transaction we're on. Like we hadn't been enough time. So why are we looking at other stuff? Like we need to focus on the task at hand. So get the inspection. Like we just kind of push forward on it. And, um, he starts saying that his wife was like concerned about the roof, this other stuff. And I'm like, she hadn't seen the roof. Like, but how could she be? Anyways, inspector goes out there and doesn't say anything's wrong with the roof. Doesn't say anything's wrong with the air conditioning. Like these things, he just said, I recommend someone else get another eye on it because there could be stuff that comes up. I'm not seeing anything myself. Felt a little soft, whatever. So um, from that conversation, he calls me and he goes, 20,000, we need them to take off 20,000 of list price. And I'm like, just so you know, like I'll run anything by them. I mean, you're the one buying the house. I don't want anyone to think I'm getting them or like, you know what I mean? Like I want to, you hired me to do a job and I'm going to do it the way, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to do it the way that works, which would be my way, but I'm all ears. And like, if you are adamant about going a certain direction, like if you're more about the deal than the property, then I've got to just be cool with that. And you know, again, it's your house. So I'm like, all right, I'll let them know. He's like, if they don't go 20,000, we're going to back out. And I was like, that's just incredible. Like that's, that's a wild number to just throw out there because we haven't had any numbers being spoke about. So it's almost 10%. Yeah. And that's before and, and asking the, house, the seller to address anything. And that's before, I know it's before 
even getting any confirmation yeah. that you have an issue with, with these specific things. Yeah. And the house was already listed at 242. So it's like, it's already like anything 220. I'm, I'm, I haven't seen anything livable at 220 within 20 miles of Dallas yeah. in years, <laughs> you know? So I just like, to me, I was like, I told him like, that's very unrealistic just to set the expectation, but you know, here to work for you. So I'm going to do it. I let the sellers know and they're like, we'll see what we can do. We're going to get another set of eyes on it and see what the you know actual cost would be. And we want to find a way that makes it fair to both parties. And I was like, cool. So they get the roofer out there and they get the AC guy out there. AC is working fine. Nothing wrong with it. It's just old, you know, which we knew that when we saw it, it's not, that's not a shocker. The roof was six years old and take a guess at what you think the repairs value. Well, it's a big gap between repair, repairing a roof and uh, replacing a roof. huge gap. So if we're just repairing a roof, um, it can be 500 to $1,500. $600. Yeah. So I tell him this and he had already told me, he's like, if they don't come down 20,000, I'm not doing it. All right. It's two, two things. And they've already gotten the past last, all this. Last point is like, I'm just trying to explain to him. I'm not trying to force him to buy something. I'm just trying to explain to him. Like, just so you know, we're on the same page moving forward. The roof is only, you know, $600. He's like, I don't want to go back and forth. Like I just don't want to move forward. And I was like, fair enough. Here's termination. So that's, that's what happened with that. Let me give, let me give feedback on this. Cause this is a good agent training. Um, buyers are looking for peace of mind. Ultimately is what they need. Okay. And peace of mind can come from, uh, the, the HVAC. We can have the seller get us a, uh, home warranty, right. To cover the event it goes out. Cause it will likely go out in the next year or two. They're just not going to buy a new one at $242,000 house. Mm -hmm. Uh, the roof, um, I would ask them to get the repairs completed. Now it's serviceable and it's no longer leaking or creating oh, an issue. Are. Well, but the end result is the next hailstorm. Then we'll come back and then we'll look at getting a roof replaced. I told them that too. Yeah, but, but that's the piece of mind. They don't want the house. I mean, that's fine because they see it either as they don't believe it's going to be that inexpensive, or um, they just don't want the house or looking for a way out, which is fine. But generally, buyers have uh, objections and in inspection periods because they don't have peace of mind. That's mm -hmm. really it. But go ahead. And I tried my best, man. It's just like the I think the issue <coughs> I'm running into is just that. I mean, you have I don't know how many professionals involved at this point. Two sets of inspectors, a lender who's been doing it for a very long time, trying to walk them through it. Me, and then obviously you can't trust the other realtors and everybody. Like they're going to come at their angle, but it's like at some point, you know. And I'm saying this is the repair value of it, and they go. He just is like, yeah, I don't know about that. And it's like everything. And then I told him too, like, you know, but like before this, when he's sending me other stuff, I'm like, if you're looking for something, primary residence, move in ready, like you need to be 320 to 350. Anything under that in these areas we're looking seems to have problems. Like it's going to have a problem that comes up somewhere and we can't expect to go to inspection. Like, sure. If you want to try to negotiate 1500 bucks, two grand, yeah. like we can probably work with that. But don't go into it thinking if I find something with foundation, then I'm going to come down 20, 30 grand. And he's asking me that. He's like, well, if it comes back, they're not going to fix it. I was like, for <laughs> respectfully for the 10th time, these things are factored into the price. Yeah. So no, I mean, they, if it's an obvious issue or de defect, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I'll give you one other really good option for it's another agent training tip. 
is when you go into a challenge where you're not able to communicate effectively and they're not taking your advice at a third party, like, you know, add me to the phone or someone else that can reach in and say, here's the way I see it. You've got this repair. You've got this uh, estimated cost in the future. You have the seller willing to do this and then break it down and say, this is the way I would approach it in order to give you, and I'll, I'll say this exact same thing you will, and sometimes it just makes sense because it's coming from a third party, an expert or some other credible mm-hmm. source. It has nothing to do specifically with you, but that really helps. And I've done this numerous times where I have a buyer agent that just does not know where to go with their, their client, either lack of experience or their, the client's just not listening to them. Yeah, They don't either get across that level of credibility that they immediately accept everything they're saying, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I've stepped in and done that you know, a number of times. So that's a really good, you know, for you agents out there, get your broker to say, Hey, can you make a phone call for me? Yeah. I'm not able to get this message across. And, and, and they're, they're, they're making, I, I think an error or a mistake on the way they're viewing it. Yeah. You know, so anyway, and I had, uh, which it pro- like I had the lender talking through cause he seems to kind of listen to him a little bit more sometimes. And I had you ready to do it. But at the, it, by the point, like I said, he was just to the point where it's like, I don't want to go back and forth. And I was like, I'm not trying to go back and forth. Like that's not my goal. I'm not trying to like. All sell I'm hearing, Weston. All I'm hearing him saying is, I don't want the home. I, I don't even yeah. care about the twenty thousand dollars. If they gave him twenty thousand, he probably still wouldn't buy it. Yeah. He doesn't want the home. That's what I'm hearing. And you know, I'm not even there. You know, so it may or may not have made a difference. That that's just what I don't understand. Is like, why are we offering? I think it's because you. Well, it's because you're too logical. <laughs> There's an emotional element in the residential side of buying houses that we don't always understand or see. And either they really think it's beyond just the roof, it's an, it's an indefinite money drain, or they just don't want the home for some other reason and they don't know how to articulate that to you. I, I agree. And, I'm, and I'm, I don't know, I'm not even trying to, like, to defend myself, but it's like when I mention countless times, like if, if that's what you're looking for, we're in the wrong price range. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I said that. So it's like you continue to look in this price range. You have to know to some degree that's what you're getting. You look at the house. You make the offer. Maybe I, I don't know. Oh, like, okay, so the language might be, okay, this house is 242. Then you would say, hey, you know this house is really about 280, right? If the roof and HVAC were brand new. That too. But, that, but <laughs> it, it, it should at least adjust. And the, like I said, the roof is only six hey, years old. You know old. what? I just had this happen. I made an offer on a house. It was 1.15. So one million one hundred. 50,000 and the offers were coming in in the one, three range. And I told my buyer, I said, you know, look, this is, I do crazy stuff, right? So I'm, I get involved after it's already under contract. Yeah. So, and I've done this, I have won in, in, in one deals from other agents while it's under contract. I've successfully done this a number of times. Hmm. So I already made the arrangement. I found if there's a gap and, and every deal has gaps. People don't understand this, but I do. And it did. It had, a, it had a window. So I said, okay, we'll come and look at it if your seller's open. And they were. So we came in and looked at it. My buyer loved the home. They were willing to put in a cash offer, closing in a week, give them three-week lease back. I got all the terms already set up before we got into this. So there was no surprises. The only surprise I didn't know is where do we need to be in order to be at least a backup and force the current offer to make or break. That's a whole nother conversation on how we get there. But I, I was able to wedge in, I got a cash offer made, submitted it, 
and then we we got the we got the where the the market really was, and it was about one three. And my buyer was just not going to swallow that. They said, "I'll see this house at one three. I said, "Well, you've got a house you're making a deal at on, that's worth a lot more than what we're offering." Yeah. Unfortunately, so he said, "Okay, we'll stay firm with our price." So I didn't. I wasn't able to slide in as the backup. Yeah. But I've done it before, and yeah. I've done it in the backup, and then end up forcing into the primary. Yeah. So, so what happens is when you have a successful qualified backup, it allows the seller to now negotiate back with the buyer and tell them no. Right. It gives them it gives that's, the seller leverage. That's that make or break. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was. That's what I was going to ask. I you had that. it set up to do it. He just wasn't willing to come up to that price. It was a, it was a fun exercise, and but you know, it, it, yeah. it, but the thing about things like that, I don't look at it as a failure. I hadn't written any offer for him. I've never met him before. I met him the first time yeah, at the house. That's not. I mean, there's so that, that proves his credibility. That right kind away. of stuff happens. My thing is when it kind of stacks up. You know, it's like at this point we're just running in circles. And I also think maybe think about it differently. You see your time being used. Maybe say. There's ways to kind of offset that, right? Because we all have clients that will run us around, run us around. They're also wasting and using up their own time too. Mm-hmm. They're investing energy into this whole thing as well. You know, there's, we either can find other people to show them homes and pay them for showing and say, hey, I'll give you three showings next Saturday and then pay them 75 bucks and call it a day. That's usually a way to kind of offset your own personal time. Yeah. Um, you know, or, you just got to realize like this buyer is spending a lot of their time and hours and energy looking at homes that they're not buying. So at some point they're going to have to get serious about it too. Yeah. And I'll probably do moving forward or set up a retainer. That's actually, <laughs> you like that? Give me 500 bucks and then I'll give oh, you no, the next 20 point, showings. We're a, we're a thousand in. Yeah, give me give me a thousand, and then I'll, I'll I'll show you the next twenty houses at no cost. Yeah, well, I even thought about something like that, and then saying like, you know, I'll credit it back at closing. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, I would. I think it's a, a, a worthy investment. But the other thing too is like, I don't know, like, I, I think you and I might think a little bit different than a lot of realtors. Like, I'm gonna, you know, like I'm gonna try to get what I'm worth. Like, just. Truthfully, like again, like the deal I explained well, earlier. You're not a volunteer. I'm not, and and also too, again, ninety like the stat, ninety percent of realtors are out in five years. Yeah, I ain't one of them. You know what I mean? So like, if you want, like, if, if you want a good lawyer, you pay for the good lawyer. Yeah. If if you want a good doctor, you pay for the good doctor. I mean, like, if maybe not everyone wants the good realtor, and some people think they can do it on their own. I truthfully, a lot of times, don't want to work with that client anyways. Now I've never like upcharged my service to people, but it's something that I thought about because I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, this is a unique situation. I think what realistically I'd probably do, and this is like, cause again, Fernando's new hungry. I'd probably like just instead of paying them per showing because this guy, this guy likes to look at a lot of houses, oh, I'd give him a cut at closing. Yeah, no. I, and, and I would make him a part of the process and I would even allow him maybe even to write the offer and do everything and do a referral. That that's a yeah. better way to do it. That's that's he what? has the time, energy, and he can spend it, and then you'll be now the third party mm-hmm. option for them to call and try to settle out things. That's usually a generally it's a it's agent advice. This is really well beyond what ninety nine percent of agents would even think or understand on how to set that up. I have a lot of partnerships. I've done partnership deals with you. Yeah, I've done it with everyone in my group. I give them deals, opportunities, and then we kind of partner through it. That way, we we have two agents for one. 
mm-hmm. and we can divide and conquer it and accomplish a lot more and more effectively. Yeah. I take care of generally contracting negotiations. Everyone else kind of sets up and facilitates and organizes inspections and showings and things like that. And then we successfully close transactions. Everybody gets you know a fair opportunity at it. Um, so you've got a, another scenario, and then um, I'll do one, and then we'll talk about animal souls. Love it. Does that sound like excitement? Love it. Um, so you've had a situation where you've had a client, you show them a property, they say they want the property, and it's listed for two fifty, and you're able to negotiate a price of two hundred, and you've got the offer written, you've submitted it, um, you have a buyer rep agreement in place, and uh, you find out something else is happening on the back end. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we're essentially this client was like, look, I got, I got 200 cash. I can put, you yep. know, for this, yep. I'm not going above. This is just what, what I'm doing yep. on whatever we can find. So find me something there. Luckily they're not picky on what they're looking for, but this one was like, I mean, it was, it's like a, you know, mobile home in it, but it had 20 acres and they just wanted land. They wanted to be in the middle of nowhere. So for those of you watching, I wouldn't set this expectation that you're going to get 50 down on, on a price all the time. But like, if it's in the middle of nowhere, you got a better shot. Yep. So we're talking to her and she says, yeah, no, we'll, we'll take that at, two, at 200,000. So cool. Write it up, send it over to her. And we're letting her know there's this contingency on the, you know, the, on the, on the seller selling their home before we can, we can do this. Yeah. Right. So, um, I don't know exactly how, I guess the, I guess our seller, like she had no intention of like working with her, but she's trying to plan. And I guess she found her number on somewhere that got a hold of her and she's like, would you take it? And she told her, yeah, she'd take it. And then she's explaining the situation to him, which if I didn't know, I, I would have strongly advised her to not talk. Like she's not supposed to be talking to other realtors. I, she just didn't know. So she's like, that's just how that came about. Simple language is agents don't talk to the other agents principle. Yeah. And you have a buyer rep agreement with this buyer. The buyer contacts the other agent. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the chaos started. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, no, we, we can make that work. Uh, let's, you know, and then she's wanting the listing on this house because she knows it's contingent and we haven't listed it yet. Because we had told her, you know, it's not listed yet. Like we're, as soon as we know we got something that works, this is how we're going to go about it. So she's like, um, can I be at your property tomorrow? Take a look at it and get it listed. And she's like, hell no. Like she's a very blunt person. She's like, no, do not come to my house tomorrow. And so she tell again, like she, we, this was all agreed upon up front. She comes back to us after we send the offer in, says the seller won't take it. And then, but she tells our client she'll take it. And then she's trying to list her home so she can get both sides of the deal on the buyer side, be intermediary mm. and then get a listing as well. So the other agent simple rejected greed, your offer. Simple greed. Yeah. Rejected your offer, but worked directly with your principal. Mm-hmm. And try to negotiate with your principal, even though you had an offer submitted to her. Yeah. And then we also, after she had told us that it wasn't going to work, you know, I call her, I call her, Fernando's calling her. And like, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm helping him on this deal. You know, can you give me a call back? Just so I can kind of, because he just doesn't know how to articulate some stuff sometimes. Like he's learning that stuff. So I was like, if you want this to work, like, let me just call her. So I call her. Never. I mean, I can tell you many times I call her that day. I'm not the type of person that's like that's gonna sit there and wait till Monday. I mean, I'm gonna call you yep. five, ten times on Friday, yep. Yep. and then I'm gonna have Fernando call you five, ten times. Hey, give me some type of response. Yeah, like something, because like we're all busy, but 
No one's that busy. So you're calling her and then you find nothing, out nothing. from the principal that they were actually communicating directly with her. Yeah, because I said, um, I said, well, we, because uh, she's like, what's going on? She's asking us. And I was like, well, she's not getting back to us. Um, I was like, when did you talk to her? She's like, 1 p.m. I was like, well, I was leaving her voicemails at nine. He was calling her at 11. Yeah. We've called her after. Yeah. Nothing, but she can call you, but she can't call us. Yeah. And, you know, I called their broker and was like, hey, I got a problem with your agent. Let's her voicemail. Tuesday rolls around. She, hey. So you were doing this like on Friday? Mm-hmm. So you go all the way till Tuesday. Finally There's heard, no communication from the agent. Nothing. No communication from the any, broker. I still haven't heard anything from the agent. The agent still never responded. Nothing. And then what about the broker? Broker texted me on Tuesday and was like, which property is it? At that point, I was over it. I'm like, this ain't going to pay me anything. So it ain't worth my time. Well, and, and I know we talked to both agents and retail people out there. Um, I mean, it's a track violation, right? I mean, you've yeah. got... You violate a, code of ethics, right? So when you have a buyer rep agreement in place, you're certainly... We generally don't want principals talking to each other and we don't want agents talking to the other principal for a reason. But beyond that, you absolutely cannot solicit the other agent's principal an opportunity to work together. You, you can't do that. One of my biggest issues is even like, take me out of the picture. She's, in, she's doing the seller a horrible job. I mean, she's doing them dirty. If he's willing to take the offer and wants to get it done, and she knows she can make it work, but she wants to tack on a few extra dollars to it and she just so she can get what's best for her. She has yeah. a fiduciary responsibility. She does. There's a whole lot of violations. I here. mean, <laughs> I, I'm in, you know, there's a lot of reasons I don't want to be an independent broker because I don't want to have agents like this. Yeah. That are unethical, that will have trek violations, that do a lot of things that compromise both principals and their own brokerage, mm -hmm. you know. There's a lot of problems with that. And and I stepped away from dealing with those type of things. And I moved you know, to EXP. It's one of the reasons why I moved. I didn't want the liability because mm -hmm. I can't always control what all my agents are doing. Yeah. But then there's this also lack of response. He's required to respond within 24 to 48 hours. And just to ignore it for that many days and then really do zero investigation into it, his only response to you was what? What's the address? Yeah, what's the address? And like he's not serious. Yeah, I was you like know? this. If you're not going to put any effort into it, then let's let Trek kind of sort this out. Yeah. You know, I, that, that would be my... If my I was opinion. a vengeful guy, I'd probably, you know. But instead, we'll just tell everyone the story on social media. And yeah, I wish I had the name to drop. I do have old Alan Michelin who owes me money still, but... That's a different, yeah, we'll different situation. That, since we're name dropping. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else to close out that? Um, I think that should pretty much do it. Um. So we were talking about like after repair value, what it's worth after the work is done. So I do this as a part of my business is a common thing that I do. And I'll do it, you know, anywhere in the U S it's not, it's the same practice. It's the same process. Um, I don't really, I've never run into a reason why it doesn't make it. It doesn't work the same. You know, I understand every market is different, but they all use the same three numbers. It's, yeah. you know, what's my initial investment? What's it cost to rehab? And then what's it worth after my rehab? It's all the same three numbers anywhere in the U.S. You know, the way they do and sell real estate's a little different. The way they do um, evaluating uh, the cost of doing the work is different. Then I'll find out what the cost is. You know, so my example is I've got one in uh, Broken Arrow. It's in Tulsa. Let's call it Tulsa. It's just easier. Um, you know, I'd say the house. Oklahoma? Yeah. Investment property. Uh, it's really not. So, it, it, but it's a, it's a personal. Yeah. Deal? So okay, I was like, I didn't know if you're licensed up there. 
I don't have to be licensed. I can sell houses anywhere. You don't worry about all that. Okay. No, it, we work at eXp. I don't know if you knew that. eXp allows us to sell houses anywhere in the U.S. under one cap. You're joking. No. I don't have to have a license anywhere well, else? Well, you have to do a referral, and you can't actually do the listing, but I can partner with someone that's under oh, our same gotcha, brokerage. Gotcha, gotcha, Okay. So there's a benefit. Um, so I have an immediate icon agent that can pick that up, and I know he'll be good and successful, and we're on the same team. Yeah. We're all under the same cap. We don't have, it's not, a, it's not like one franchise at KW calling another franchise right. and saying, hey, can we, can we work together? It's a totally different company. Yeah. Different owners, different everything. They just have the same KW brand. Right. Um, and they're different, they're, t- they're, they're different caps. It's a whole other cap over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so, um, so the house, it, this is just a, it, it's a close friend of mine. The mom lives in the home. She needs to make a transition uh, out of the house. Never touched it, never upgraded it, never, and that's common, right? She's been there for you know, 30 plus years. Um, and the home is immaculate, it's clean, but it's only gonna sell for about 215. Mm-hmm. If I put a sign in the yard and, uh, and, and, and have it completely cleared out, okay? Just because of the location or? Well, that's what the homes are worth in that particular area. Yeah. So as is, it's only worth about 215. There's a neighbor next door to her, 200 square foot smaller, fully renovated. Everything, bathrooms, kitchens, everything. It sold for 245. Okay. Give you perspective. Yeah. So with ours being 200 square foot bigger, the cost of doing the work up there is pretty pretty good. It's not very expensive. Uh, we're gonna spend about 30 on the home, all right? And then our ARV is about 260. That's after repair value. Right, so we've got two fifteen as is thirty thousand rehab, two sixty ARV. So what happens? The way I explain this to the you know the ones going through it is I don't give them a lot of different you know moving parts and stuff. To, I keep it real simple. I just say, would you consider a thirty thousand dollar investment to make about ten? So you put in thirty, I'll give you back forty. Mm. All I need is another three to four weeks, and I have more control over it. Yeah. I don't have control when it's an as-is property. I can't really do much with it. I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. But when you put money into it, I can specifically look at the market and where the value I can put money into to get maximum return. Yeah. And that's what we did. We went through, we drilled it down. We had about 50000 our bid. We drilled down to only the things we need to do to get maximum value. So now I go back and I said, $30,000 at about three more weeks. And I have more control over the sales price on the end because I'm gonna have it sell faster because it's gonna look really good when I'm done. Um, you'll make about $10,000 on it. So that, that's, that's kind of the way I do these type of deals. Love it. A lot of education, but when you have, when you understand you know, real estate, it, it, it applies everywhere. I mean, and I know most, and I'm telling you, most agents don't understand that. They only think about their local community, you know, how it affects their negotiation with a particular property. I, I think you can be guided with someone in a third party capacity that can help you grow your business and solve problems like that when you can't escape your locality and what you're thinking specifically. To I translate, think you, can do that. you can join True West Realty Group. Yeah. And or you can just call me. Yeah. You know what? I have people just call me. I'd love to have you join, but I'd spend more time coaching and teaching others, and it will eventually continue to be some good reciprocity that way. Um, so that's the only scenario I was going to share right now. I have other ones, but that's the only one I was going to share. Um, yeah, you were telling me the other day, you were saying something about dogs going to hell. 
Yeah, all dogs go to hell. You, oh, that's a different. That's a different video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did not. They did not show that. They did not show that movie. You know, unfortunately, they did not show that movie. This is gonna be a viral clip that you just all dogs go to hell. All right. Well, let's let's come back to where this even came from. I had um, I did a I did a podcast with. Uh, it was actually it's it's my wife's cousin. Okay. Um, and he's you know he went to uh, Catholic school. I uh, grew up um, with that teaching i don't think even then he really what consumed the, the or bought teach, into the, it the teaching of catholics or well it's a catholic it's jesuit jesuit is a catholic um okay so uh, we're just not to private the anim- school we're not to the animals yet we're just no. really well it's coming from where he came from right okay. yeah so he this is his background he went to a catholic private school and the school's great i mean it's a higher education uh it's far better he was in new orleans I'm, I'm going to advise you guys, if you can avoid going to schools in New Orleans, I hope I don't get banned from here. You'd be better off going to a private school if you can. It's very expensive. Yeah. And I know it's very expensive. Um, or if they don't, do like etouffee for lunch menu school, that'd be Well, I, I don't think their school district and the schools are a priority for that particular community. I'm saying that'd be the only benefit that they have some yeah. good and you Cajun know food. C- Cajun lunch. food is my favorite food. Same. I love it. I love, I love Cajun food. Um, but, and we go there. That, it, 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 I'll tell you one funny thing. So it, New Orleans is known for restaurants, right? Because they have really good restaurants, really good. Yeah. And obviously the Cajun thing and all that, but even just other restaurants they have there, they have a particular energy and excitement for creating good quality food and, and options. And we've, been to, oh, we've been to a bunch of them and they're yeah. really good. Um, so the, the flip side of it is uh, I have family from Indianapolis and we would go there every year and they are absolutely not known for any type of good restaurants. Uh, they have chains, fine. Where at again? Ch- Indianapolis. I don't think they're known for much, really. Well, they, they have they chains, the, they right? The, they got the Colts. But, you know, if you ever go out of town and you go and travel, you don't want to go to a Chili's. Yeah. You want to go to something unique, like what's yeah. there. I'll, I'll never get this again. Well, tell me what your best places are. And they have a few places downtown. They have a, uh, a Weber grill place. Really, Weber, uh, and and it's right off of the main, you know, downtown circle area. And the place looks beautiful, the area, but it's a hamburger place, you know. And then they have um, a downtown uh, Mexican place that we went to, and it, I, I don't know what cuisine it is, but it wasn't Mexican, and we ate there. It's a little too north for Mexican food. It was incredible. I don't know if they knew that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Acapulco, I think it's Acapulco Joe's or something. I think I remember the name of it, but it, no, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't put it high on the menu. So we ended up going to like a downtown uh, four star hotel and they had a, a restaurant in there. The restaurant was good. Um, but that's not like, it's not common dining, you know? Yeah. So most of the time we just go to like Olive Garden and Cheddar's and <laughs> all the other chain places. Cause you know what you're going to get. Um, so just giving you an opposite to, to kind yeah. of figure out. Uh, they have, okay, I'll give you another example. So White Castle, you ever had White Castle? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't know this. White Castle hamburgers? Okay, they're like mini little square hamburgers. You get like, generally you'd order like four of them for right. just a single order. And they're tiny little hamburgers. They think they put a little onion on it. It's like a slider. It, it is, it's a slider. But it's, it's a square. It's not a circle. Yeah. And, and, and you can go buy frozen White Castle burgers, you know, from Costco or whatever. You get a big pack of them. Okay. You throw them in the microwave, and it tastes like microwave hamburgers. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> Sounds awful. This is this you made is, it sound like I'm missing out on these burgers. You, you are not. 
It's, it's you've never had White Castle? It's like, oh. oh, surely you've seen um, uh, Kumar, whoever in Kumar go to White Castle. Tell me you've not seen that. I haven't seen it. They smoke pot all the time. Why are you thinking I'd watch that? Yeah, because I know you love all that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I haven't cared. I'm just, uh, that, was, that was before I changed my ways. Is it Bill and Kumar? I, whatever it is. The two kids um, go to White it's Castle. Harold, Harold, right? Harold and Kumar. Yeah, I, yes. know, I know about it. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yep. That, that's the that's the hamburger place. They have a they have a munchies. <laughs> I'll give you one more. They had another fast food place called Skyline Chili. Okay, it's chili Sound- fast food place. Oh god, fast food place, <laughs> and they put chili on like a hot dog. It's chi- like Wolf Chili from Walmart. Yeah, like- but the chili's not even. I I don't understand. It wasn't great. It's not like wow, I gotta have some. But it's not even some. Like you're not gonna get a chili fast food place in the south because we don't want hot food. You know, hot chili is good for a northern type. Chili climate. and fast food just doesn't jive. Like, I've got a high standard for chili. I would say I like the chili at Wendy's better than the chili at Skyline. I'll, I'll say that, that. Man, that both sounds terrible. <laughs> anyway, let's come back but, to what I originally was talking about. Yeah, this is New Orleans. We do, we do Venice and chili. That's, I could talk about New Orleans all day because we've been there yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about so I'm talking dogs about, going to hell. Yeah. So he, he had some topics that he thought would be kind of fun to talk through. And... He came out a few months back and we were hanging in the backyard and he asked me, you know, we started talking about animals and stuff because he really has this like attachment to um, his cats that his mom has like a bunch of them. Oh, cats then, go to hell for sure. And then his, um, his, his girlfriend has a dog that she's incredibly close to. And he sees this as like, I can't imagine as close as they are together that they could not see each other in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. This is, this is just kind of a logical thinking. Yeah. I guess there's emotional part. Um, so, and I said, well, you know, I, I don't have any reason to believe that dogs have souls. That's where we kind of started looking at it, you know, cause I, it's like when you asked me if transgenders should have guns and I, I kind of, yeah. So I started un- unpacking it. <laughs> I never said that. Yeah. <laughs> so I started unpacking it and I said, well, I mean, I don't know if I would make a decision on them having guns. <laughs> On whether they choose to be with a boy or a girl, just blindsided you. <laughs> yeah, and then you of course come back and talk about the, being a mental illness. And, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so but I'm saying it's a kind of the same kind of analogy to me. I'm looking at it like, well, if you know, if if they had souls, then yeah, we have a good conversation. And the way I'm thinking is like, dogs or cats or any animals you have aren't pontificating. You know, where do where am I? What's my purpose in life? Where am I going to? How do you know that? Because they only they they only live on the most core basic needs food drink you know i don't even know if they specifically needed love or not have love they're still going to be the same yeah i'd push back <laughs> i push back i mean think about it right you could say the same about humans i we would not be the same without other humans we, but i'm we, saying we, that we you need see other you humans. see okay but you see how humans act when isolated for too long of a period of time it's causes bad. Yeah, same with dogs. You can have a yeah, you know, I, piece th- of shit that's, dog. That, that's true. For example, I have a neighbor who um, has this dog, and it literally barks from because it doesn't go out ten p.m. to. I mean, I got up at four thirty the other day, and it's barking. I had neighbors outside like, "You hearing this shit?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude." He's like, "I just called the car." I mean, like, but you see what happens when a dog is neglected. Yeah. They get you know. There's, for example, you could have a pit bull or a rottweiler, and I've met. I say met. I've came across like very friendly pit bulls, raised 
by people who treated them good, all that kind of, you know, socialize them with other dogs. And then you meet them that didn't do that and they're aggressive. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's how they were treated. They weren't loved. So are they going to heaven? Those ones are going to hell, but. There are some that, well, that's a great off, off, some offset. Some dogs do go to hell, yeah. That is a great offsetting answer, right? So we say that we will see our pets in heaven. <laughs> see you in hell. <laughs> Just tell your dog that. So heaven is available for you and I because of salvation. Yeah, because we're perfect. Well, we're made perfect through Christ, but the but we have a salvation through Christ. Animals do not have that. I don't. I don't care what people think. They do not have a salvation. I'm just look. Point. I'm not. I'm not. So, so I'm not they, fully disagreeing with you, but I'm asking how you know that is fact. Out of dogs, whether they have a salvation, yeah, because Christ did not come to save animals. I don't know that he didn't. Where does it say that? It specifically came to save humans. Did he say that specifically? Because that's who he's addressed. That was his creation. That's what he was created in our image. That's what he said. You are, they are created in my image. Dogs and animals are not created in his image. He's not there to save human, uh, dogs. There are scriptures that talk about people who dogs react or animals react kindly to reflect the image of God. There is a, there is a relationship there. All right, there's deeper opportunities I know for animals where people have a amazing chemistry with them or they sense danger or mm -hmm. there's a lot of incredible stories. I don't have an issue with animals specifically. Sounds my, like it. My concern is that here's where this is where I have kind of this counterculture response, right? Where we have this culture that celebrates animals above humans in some cases. That's a real problem for me, okay? Animals are not created in the image of God, and that's, that's a real problem. So I think the, I have kind of this violent reaction and say, you know what? They don't have souls. They're not going to heaven. Stop doing that. <laughs> right? That's the way I'm kind of thinking. I think of, all the, I think of all the shit we've said online. Yeah. That's going to make you the most hated guy on the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like <clears throat> people can get past the other people. Yeah. And this is the rest they we, will. We they'll... universally don't yeah. like that yeah. answer. Well... <laughs> And what they'll clip out is I've been, I did do some research before having this conversation uh, with, with my wife's cousin. And I started looking at, and I looked at it from a biblical standpoint. And right, so Christ comes in on a white horse, mm -hmm. right? Um, it does have specific references to animals being available or, or coming to heaven. It does make references to things like that. I don't know if it's our pet. I don't know. I don't know what the the criteria is because if they're inherently to me, they're not good or evil. They're natural. Okay, so there isn't a heaven hell. There's whether God allows them to be a part of His creation in heaven, and that's really kind of where I don't have an answer. But that's probably the closest direction that we will probably have. What He created here, He'll also make available in you know, heaven, because I don't see them. I see them neutral. I see them natural. Anything they do is out of, like you say, they, they do things out of natural responses. You know, I don't see that as a purpose in life. I want to uh, effectively make my human better, or I want to make the world better. I don't think they operate that way. I think they operate. Shoot. You got to meet my dog, man. No, I don't want to. <laughs> no, but like they're loyal. I mean, they're, they're bre certain breeds are like extremely loyal. They have, they have their own purposes, you know, like 
mine is a cattle dog. Never been around cattle before. First time, like he, until he was probably like five and we brought him out to a ranch and immediately, you know, hurt, like hurting him. You know? I mean, that wouldn't be but, instinct or anything. But right. But, but I'm just saying, on, dude, that's not, that's not a higher purpose. That's an instinct that built into the dog. So what is, what, but like, I'm having a hard time differentiating. Sure. I'm, I'm with if you. If you treat your dog well, he'll treat I'm with you, you back well. I'm with you that they, their purpose is maybe at a smaller scale, but like, how would our purpose be any different? I, they don't send, they don't, they're not good or bad. It makes it so they're just they natural. on your carpet they're sending. That's a natural response. <laughs> you know? Just cracking a joke there. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a dirty natural response, but yeah. it's, a natural, it's a natural response. So um, I wish I could have the verdict out. I'm not firm on them not going to heaven anymore. I'm not. But I, I think, and, and I'm glad that's you- That's progress. You, I'm glad you made the, 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 the comment because I didn't think about even, are they good or bad? I mean, I, I never really thought of it that way, but then I started thinking they're neither. They're yeah. just natural. So they're not- they don't, and they don't have a salvation. So it's whether God allows them to be there or not is really about as simple as I can say it. And he does say he does. I just don't know if it's going to be my cat Mandarin that was with me for 18 years. Well, cats aren't going to heaven. Well, um, that's a fact. Yeah, probably not. That's a fact. Yeah, probably not. Like he could care less if I was there or not, (laughs) but I still love him. (laughs) That's yeah. Actually cats kind of grew on me a little bit, but I still like, uh, well, I know because they don't have the warm and fuzzy feel that you're gonna. Get they're sitting from. there crawling on shit like you never know if they're just gonna jump down or scratch you. They're very deceptive for yeah, sure. Yeah, like I don't trust them. All right, I'm I'm good. I covered what I wanted to cover. I'm good too. We went longer than. Let's see where we at. One oh five. All right, you want to close us out then? Yeah. Thank you for watching. If you're looking for real estate in the area, if you want some spiritual guidance. Call me or Sean. We'll give you wildly different answers, but whatever you're looking for. So thanks for watching. Like, share, and subscribe. And see you next week with another podcast. Let's do it. Adios.